You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and um, we are building up to um, Scotland's upcoming friendlies um, against Poland and either Austria or Wales, depending on which one loses the, um, the playoff semi-final. And I'm delighted to be joined by former Scotland international, 40 times Cap Scotland international and current model manager, Graham Alexander. Graham, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks, John. Very good. So how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, it's just a shame that, you know... As we're recording it um, Thursday the 17th, it should be building up to the week leading up to playoff semi-final against Ukraine yeah. and not a couple of friendlies. Um, but obviously with the situation in Ukraine, understandably it's been postponed till, till June. Just, um, you know, what's yeah. um, your kind of views and what's the, the whole situation? Yeah, I, th- I think it's um, I think it's the right decision. I think it's uh, right and proper. You know, I think we have to, uh, everyone has to take Ukraine's um Feelings and and uh, thoughts into account and uh, and make it you know they're going through a horrendous time and um, you know the rest of the world is obviously looking on and trying to do its best but I think um, it's the right thing to do you know I don't I ch- I like the thought of sport being separate to things that go on in the world if possible but I think you know <laughs> a war is a little bit bigger than than anything else to be honest and uh, so I can understand that it's, it's the right decision I think I don't think there'd be anyone with any discontent about um, postponing it and, and to a later date and um, fingers crossed Ukraine's in a better scenario by that by the time that comes around and uh, we're just talking about the football Yeah let's, let's hope so I mean because um, what's going on just now is um, absolutely uh the terrible, you know, it's uh, missing a legal war, but we'll not go too much into politics. You know, first and foremost, no. you've got to hope that the people um, in Ukraine are okay. They're they're um, yeah. of so much more importance right now. Um, the fear is, of course, you know, that it's been postponed to June. The, the date's still not been confirmed as we speak, but um, there is a fear that Ukraine might not even be ready for June. And then there's talk that well, they have to withdraw then. And there's some people saying they should get a buy, make it a 33 team World Cup. Uh, it's just all up in the air just now. Yeah, I, I think you have to give it as much time as possible before making you know, uh, concrete decisions on on the future of uh, obviously the games and stuff like that. I think um, I think we're used to in football over the last couple of years with the COVID scenario of disruption and uncertainty. It's uh, obviously just as serious, if not more. Um, so I think football just goes on the onto the side track just while while bigger things get sorted out um, I, I think it's it's really difficult at the moment because especially the football season you know with, with what we've been used to for God knows how many decades is uh, August to May football season uh, summer of either a tournament or holiday and um, and that's been pretty much the, the case but we've uh, Covid over the last couple of years, the seasons have been extended. Um, internationals, uh, the situation in Ukraine now, it, it's almost like a year-long, year-round game and season. I think um, yeah, we, we've been talking about our return to pre-season training being roughly around, I think, twenty-first, twenty-second of June. But we've got three or four lads who are still playing internationals on on the fourteenth of June. Um, so you know, it's it's a it's a year-long 
uh, sport now, I think. And, and obviously with the World Cup being in November, that's a, a massive disruption to see. So I think it's uh, everything's up the air with planning and, and trying to prepare for, for for the games and everything like that at the start of the season or tournaments. But um, there, there's there's bigger things going on in the world. And if it means a bit of disruption to our football life, we can live with that. Yeah, the worldwide um, governing bodies um, normally get criticised for a few things, but I think this kind of scenario can give them a little bit of alleviate because this is um, a really yeah. delicate and difficult situation. So, yeah, hopefully all yeah. going well. Ukraine will be fine for for June, as we say. Yeah. As, um, as I'm reporting, apparently Denver Kiev players are back in training, so hopefully that's a step that um, things yeah. can get back. Yeah, we, you know, the, the main priority is actually Ukraine getting back to normality and having a free country. Um, you know, everything else is secondary to that. So, fingers crossed that's what happens. Yeah. And the way things transpired, Poland um, ended up with a free week because um, they got a bye to the final because um, Russia were um, excluded and in my humble opinion, rightly so right now. Um, so, They've now decided to come together for this friendly at Hamden, um, which works out logistically because Scott must do a home game anyway. Poland was supposed to be playing away from home. Um, and it'll be good preparation for Poland um, for their um, upcoming playoff um, against uh, Sweden or Czech Republic. You know, from a Scotland point of view, though, Graham, um, how do you think this, this game will be for us in terms of trying to keep momentum going? Because last six games, six wins in a row, it's just incredible the run that we're on just now. Yeah, it's a fantastic run. It's uh, it's amazing. You know, I was listening to Steve Clark talk on a on a different uh, podcast a, a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about you know uh, six wins on the bounce, and it was like, it, you know, I, you, I've been watching those games and you know, and uh, as a fan and everything. But when you say it's six six wins on the trot, it's 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 quite a, a very good start. You know, for Scotland or for any international team, I think. And uh, so every credit to what they've done, I think. I think all games for your country are important, regardless of whether it's a friendly or or a qualification game or a tournament game. I think yeah, I think it gives the opportunity for the manager to um, play without the pressure of points or going through to the next round, and actually um, give guys a, an opportunity to show what they can do that haven't had that opportunity um, in the qualification. Um, you know, I think you know I made my debut in a friendly. I think. The majority of internationals would have probably made their debuts in friendlies um, when you know managers can give that uh, opportunity. So I think uh, these games, you know, certainly the Poland game, will um, it's a good chance for, to go into a game without the pressure of the result, but um, still trying to keep that winning run going because you know I think it builds confidence in players' minds um, that sort of run and confidence in players flows into. The pressure points, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, um, which team Steve goes with in, in certainly in the Poland game. But um, I'm pretty much sure whoever put, takes to to the pitch, they'll be they'll be motivated to win. Yeah, you would think so. And obviously, there's only one new cap, um, new boy in the squad, Aaron Hickey. Um, terrific form he's been in for Bologna. Um, he's one of five fullbacks, as it turns out. I'm not including Tierney as a fullback because he plays centre back for Scotland these days. He's, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's enough cover. You know, is that one that you think's um, overdue for Hickey? Not really a surprise. Uh, we what? Sorry, Hickey being yeah. involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, look, he's, he's playing at an amazing level. I know there's a a bit of um, consternation about the under twenty one thing with him, but you know if you're playing at that sort of level, I can I can see how he's involved at, straight into the the senior squad. You know I think if you you're good enough, you're old enough, and um, you know I think 
Steve Clark spoke many times about just picking the best players he can he can get in the Scotland squad, and uh, you know he's he's certainly shown what what a top player he is. So um, you know I, th- I think there's there's some real good. Um, I think like you say, Tierney is considered as a left sided centre half in in the Scotland squad. You know because he, he you know he's had to find a way of getting Robertson and Tierney in the same team. You know you you'd um, you'd be uh, devastated if you had to leave one of them on the bench just because you wanted to play a certain formation. So. I think sometimes in in management you have to find the the formation that suits your your best players, and you know he's certainly done that, and it's it's produced the results that we we all wanted. But it's uh, there's I think there's strong competition throughout the squad. I think I don't think you I think there's only probably I would say six or seven lads who you would think would definitely play. I think there's good competition with the other spots, and uh, I think that keeps it in a healthy healthy situation. Yeah, definitely. I think continuity in the selections, um, no, so important for this squad. And we're yeah. even. I mean, there's a couple of return faces. Ryan Jack's back in the squad now. Ryan Jack was outstanding out in Serbia, um, in one of the last games he played. But he, he was missed during the Euros. But now he's in a situation where it's not guaranteed that he'll be back in. Such as the form of Gilmore, McGregor, and uh, McGinn. We haven't lost a game since those three been in been playing the team. Which you know, if you consider leaving a guy like Jack out who does such a good um, holding job. That shows the quality in the squad. Yeah, I mean those those three players. I went to the Denmark game um, with Hamden, and, and those three were, were absolutely superb. I, th- I, I thought they were fantastic. How they played the game, how they how they pressed, how they kept the ball, and and um, it was a, it was an outstanding performance from them. And and the, but this is the competition that Scotland need. You know when you you know you've got you've got top players that that are fighting to get into the team, um, and, and top players in it trying to keep them out. You know, it's only going to raise you know the level of performance from those players, and and that's what Scotland needs. And I, I think what Steve sort of created with the the Scotland squad is a is a, a club feel, almost you know with his consistency of of picking the the players, um, and I think you know a, a togetherness and a and um, a unity is is important for for a team like Scotland to compete against bigger bigger countries and. Uh, it's worked so far and, and hopefully it'll, work, it'll continue to work but there's some real good players in that squad. There's a lot of good players in that squad and playing at a um, really good level and so it must mean a lot to you to see two Motherwell lads um, in the squad. Mm-hmm. Liam Kelly, well deserved in this um, squad in my opinion without question. Yeah. Um, he's been superb yeah. for him. And Stephen O'Donnell's managed to retain his place. Um, Stephen comes in for a little bit of criticism a lot of times unfairly um, although I think in against Austria and Denmark and against England, he's shown that he can step up um, when needed. You know, how much does it mean to you to see those lads um, on the team sheets or the squad? Yeah, I think, uh, well, first and foremost, it's massive for us as a club. Uh, you know, at Motherwell, you know, we've got you know Bevis Mugabe in Uganda squad. We've got uh, Ross Tierney in the Ireland under twenty one squad, and these two guys in the Scot in the Scotland squad. It's it, it's brilliant for us. Liam Donnelly in the Northern Ireland squad as well. So. It's good for us as a club that we can, um, you know, we have players that represent their, their national team, and and I, I know the feeling of those players, what it means to them when they're when they're when they're picked, when they're including their squad. I know um, Stephen O'Donnell's uh, amassed a good amount of caps so far. Liam Kelly's still striving for his first, but you know, uh, Stephen O'Donnell's never let Scotland down. I think that's uh, you know the the. I know uh, managers get put under a lot of pressure because everyone's got their favourites, you know, at club level, international level. And you could pick 50 different fans and they'd pick 50 different teams, um, you know, and that's that's the scenario. But 
I think you you build up a level of trust and credit with a manager and, and with a player when you 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 know what sort of job you expect them to do. They they carry out that job and and that goes a long way to picking a team and, and picking a winning team and, and organising your tactics. So I think uh, I think Stephen is 100 percent deserves to be in that squad. Liam Kelly's uh, been in outstanding. Uh, uh, form for us since he came here to to us uh, over a year ago. You know, the similar time to when I joined. Um, is uh, I know they were at the when we played Rangers the other week. Um, you know, Chris Woods uh, was there and, and Steve Clark, and, and he was superb in that game. Made some fantastic saves that, that played a part in us getting a, a big point. And um, you know, I know how ambitious he is and how determined he is to try and. Uh, Stay in that squad, get in the squad first and stay in it. But he, he understands the quality of opposition that he's got, you know, in, in Craig Gordon, Dave Marshall coming back in, you know, but, you know, in Craig Gordon, there's a, there's a phenomenal number one there to, to try and dislodge and, um, hang on the shirt tails of, you know, I, I mean, Craig's been there such a long time, you know, even I played with him. So, um, it's, uh, it's great though, because I, I think Kells, you know, wants to, he's a competitive guy and he wants to, wants to be the best he can and, and um, I think going with the squad showing what he can do is a great experience for them but um, hopefully they'll both get a, a part to play in those games and and going back to, to Stephen um, I, I was lucky enough to speak to him before the Euros for the Tatnam magazine um, such a nice guy by the way um, yeah. and I could tell um, after the England game at the interview that he had you know you could tell he was hurt when he was getting criticised unfairly um, for the Czech Republic game and stuff um, and he probably knows himself that you know what his um, limitations are, but what he may, what he lacks in some areas, he certainly makes up in heart. You no, know, at times have you had to um, put your arm around him to reassure him with, um, when he sees the criticism that comes his way unnecessarily at times. Um, I think it's part of the course when you're a professional footballer, and um, certainly if it's the profile of the national team, I think. Um, I, I do. I, I remember the first game in the Euros when he was criticised for a couple of things, and I and I and I know from management's perspective, um, it wasn't his mistake. He was he was trying to cover somebody else's, um, but he, you know that, that that's what can happen. Um, I think there's always there's a, a little confirmation bias when people are expecting certain players not to or to make mistakes, and then as soon as they make one, it, that's it. They Judge the game already. Um, you know, I know there's a quirkiness to to watching um, football, um, but I think he showed in the England game what he can do, um, and it was no surprise to me. I, I I still get surprised when people are surprised when he plays well, um, because you know you don't get to twenty odd caps um, if you're not a good player. You're not an international if you're not a good player. You don't play. Um, in the Premiership every every week, if you're not a good player, and that's the the reality. Um, there's obviously levels of, of players in squads, but um, you know, I think he he know you say he knows his limitation. I think he knows what he's good at. I'd, I'd rather look at the positive stuff. I, I think uh, he knows what he's good at, and um, and when he sticks to that, he's a very good player and a very consistent player. And I think consistency is sometimes overlooked as well. I think consistency is a talent and skill to keep producing a similar level of performance. And, uh, and I think um, Stephen has done that for Scotland. Yeah, he still has um, shut a lot of critics up. Although I think it's, um, it's interesting that there's a lot more competition um, with it. You've obviously Nathan Patterson, how well he played um, in 
um, the couple of games he's had so far. Unfortunately, right now, he's only had, as we speak, 45 minutes for Everton since he's been down there, which I find quite surprising. Um, there's obviously Hickey who can play right back, if need be. Um, and you've got Tony Ralston who didn't even make this squad as well. I mean, there's, I mean, and for a while we were struggling to think, Who's going to be the best um, Scotland right back? A position you obviously played in. I did, yeah. I played it. I played it right back. Obviously, I was known as a right back, but I played left back a lot of games. You know, some of the best, best games were a left wing back for, for Scotland um, under Walter and uh, played in midfield in, in my last few caps. Uh, so I, play, I played in several positions. I was just delighted to be a part of the squad and I'd have, I'd have played in goal if they were asked. I'd have been rubbish, but I'd have, I would have done it. Um, so, uh, but you know, I think you know. I remember speaking to the guys when they went to the Euros. It was it was Stephen and, and Declan Gallagher at the time, and and um, speaking to them about the the there's a different scenario when you go away with your national team because you at your club level. There's you know obviously Stephen's our captain this season. Uh, Declan was our captain last season. But you're going into a squad full of captains and full of full of players that play every week, you know, for their clubs and. And they're all used to, you know, being one of their main men, um, which is different at club level. So you you have to have a a real um, uh, sort of respect for the squad you're going into and the, and the players that are in that. And I think Steve, Steve Clark uh, puts a big emphasis on not just the players that are playing, but the players are not and how they support the the players that are playing and, and having that respect. I think it's important. I've, we have the same thing at Motherwell that. There's a there's a respect for whoever's got the shirt because it, it, for me there's no such thing as a as a poor professional footballer and they're all at the, the top end of their game and so you have to have respect for their teammate for your teammates so I think um, you know those guys have got it I think uh, there, there seems to be a real good spirit and togetherness in that squad and a respect for each other but there's also a lot of talent and um, you know, we I think you need all the aspects to, to win games and, and that's what Scotland seems to have at the moment. Sometimes they have to you know, I thought they were exceptional how they played against Denmark and their defensive side and how they use the ball. Sometimes they have to grind results out and be hard to beat. Um you have to use whatever you, you have at your disposal to win games. I remember some of the best results I enjoyed with Scotland, you know, they were extremely difficult games and we stayed in the games to to nick a one 0 win. And uh, you know it was about the result at the end of the day and and, and that's what um, it's about when you play for your country. Absolutely. And there's a reason why you guys have been playing professional football and we're um, interviewing on Zoom <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> um, yeah, so. no, there's, different, there's different levels, but if, you, if, you, if you've made it to professional football, you, you've overcome a lot of challenges along the way from eight years old to, to actually make the grade. So, you know, I, I like um, players to feel good about themselves and feel positive and uh, I think certainly if you're at international stage, you're, you're a good player. Yeah, exactly. And um, on to the, the, the games coming up. So it'll be interesting to see what Steve um, does now. Steve likes a curveball mm-hmm. every now and then, although the last few selections have been pretty consistent. Um, how do you see things going um, over these two games? You know, Do you see there being more of a mix, more so for the second game? Because you don't want to give Wales or Austria, whoever we're not playing, any ammunition for when we do play them eventually, if we're lucky enough to play them um, in June. Yeah. No, I th- well, the, the thing is, it's it's one of them where there's that much analysis on that that you can get your hands on as a as a, a manager, as, as coaching staff on the opposition. Which as soon as you see the team sheet, you can 
nine times out of ten pick out what the formation is going to be and so forth. And I think certainly when a, a team has been winning consistently, they're not necessarily going to change much. You know, I think what you know because it's quite pointless to do it. I think you know you're going to stick with what you know. You, you know, you've got momentum playing a certain way with certain formation of certain players. So you could probably guess at nine of the eleven starting formation for the for the if everyone's fit, of course, and available for the next uh, uh, competitive game. But I think the Poland game gives, like like I said, I think it gives the opportunity to to give uh, the chance to players to see what they can do at that level because it is a you know I think it's still a game of football but you have to overcome the you know certainly when you start you know it's a different feeling playing for your country and the whole build up to it you know the importance you have in your own mind about how important it is to play for your country and you have to control those emotions so I think until you're put out on that pitch and you're you're in the middle of it you know that's when you learn how to play for your country so I think Good friendly is a, a, a good opportunity to do that, and I think there's a good there's a feel good factor around the Scotland squad at the moment, which hasn't always been there, and I think it it, it helps the crowd get behind the, the players, which helps the players go and perform at the best. So, you know, hopefully that'll be the scenario when we play Poland at, at Hamden. Yeah, hopefully we get a good atmosphere, um, you know, for the game, and although we know it's a friendly. You know, we still hopefully um, the players can treat it as if it was um, the playoff and keep that momentum going. Um, so, yeah. good luck to the, um, the Scots in those two games. In terms of yourself, um, they, we also can tell from your accent you don't have a Scottish accent. So, but <laughs> you grew up as a Scotland fan. Just tell us a story about um, is it um, was it fa- is it family? Is it your dad? Yes, yes, it's my dad. Yeah, my dad's born in, in born and bred in Glasgow, um, so not far from where I live now, actually about a mile and a half from where I live now uh, in Townhead in Glasgow. Um, I was born in Coventry. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, to be fair, my, my dad's from Glasgow and my mum's from Dublin. So I have no English blood running from my veins. It's all Scottish and Irish. And um, I quite like the fact when I was growing up, I was a little bit different from the other lads running around there the streets in Coventry playing football that uh, you know had a different heritage. I, I, I liked it, but you know, um, my dad took me to football early on to watch my hometown club Coventry and um, obviously sort of uh, brainwashed me into um, which country to, to back and support, you know, by buying me Scotland kits for, for Christmas presents, birthday presents. And uh, so all I can remember from the, the age of, I know, seven or eight was wearing Scotland kits and watching Scotland uh, in tournaments and the odd time got down to Wembley um, remember watching uh, under 21s games and stuff like that so um, you know going down there was a, there was a, uh, a Scottish club in, in Coventry called the Tamashanta which my dad and my granddad were members of and they used to run buses down to the, the games so that was a big adventure you know as a, as a kid and uh, yeah and that was me and uh, you know I've never never hid my allegiance uh, proud of my Scottish and Irish roots equally but Scotland was always the, the team I supported and uh, yeah to you know to get the opportunity later in, in my career to actually represent Scotland was uh, it was massive for me personally uh, but more as a, like a, a thank you to, for what my, my dad had done for me you know taking me around as a, as a young kid playing football me and my brother playing football supporting football and uh yeah, it's, so my accent does sort of belie where, where where my heart lies and and where my blood blood is from. 
Yeah, sometimes you just can't help that. You know, if you were born there, you were no. um, <laughs> on the back foot right yeah. away. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. What was your favourite kits as a kid? Favourite, Wise, sorry. Your favourite kits from a Scotland point of view? Um, uh, do, you, do you remember the one with the, um, It was. I think it was, it might have been the 86, I think it was with the, I had the, I had the, uh, the 78 one with the big white collars and the, yeah. and the white V-neck and the, the massive badge. It was, quite plain but it was mm-hmm. i just remember the massive collars um but i i, I like the one i think it was the 86 where it was the the white shorts with the blue band mm-hmm. it, yeah. it looked a bit strange from the thing but it was it was almost like slim fitting and it was there was a little bit modern at the time you know from what the t- the, the kits had been before and i just um yeah that was that was the kit that i sort of uh uh, I had um, as a as a kid. Yeah, I remember having. Oh, well, I remember having the original one, but that was the one where I was like, "Yeah, I, I look good in this." When I was playing football, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, I remember that. That was that was the one that I um, that I would love to still have if I had. But um, you know, unfortunately, you don't think of those things when you you're eight or ten years old about keeping tops. You know, I'd do anything to have those kits still now. Yeah, well, you might get some on eBay for like a few hundred pounds, but <laughs> having, uh, yeah, um, although you do get good retro wins, to be fair. Um, I know it's not the same, yeah. but it's still. Um, I, th- I think if I went on, I think if I went buying um, more football tops from the ones I saved from a career, I don't think my wife would be too happy because we've got boxes <laughs> and boxes of of kits all over the place. So um, yeah, I, I don't think if I added to that collection, she'd be she'd be too uh, uh, too happy about that. Yeah, yeah. Keep keep her sweet. That's the that's the best yep. way to be. <laughs> um, and what was your kind of favourite memories um, as a as a Scotland fan? You also mentioned a couple of trips to Wembley and stuff. Um, Laura mentioned yeah. that you went to um, the Norway game in France '98 as well. Although you were did, player yeah. then, but obviously you went as yeah. a fan. Yeah, I, I um, had a had a good friend in in the in the squad at the time, Matt Elliott, who uh, I played with at Scunthorpe back in the day, and, and we lived in the same house for a year and a half or so. And uh, you know, he was in in that squad that got to the World Cup and I remember him ringing me up one day it was out of the blue and he said look I've got a couple of tickets um, for you know because he knew how much of a Scotland support I was and uh, it was really last minute it, I couldn't find a, I couldn't get a hotel you know, I was at Luton at the time and it, it, so me and my wife we jumped in our car uh, old Ford Mondeo uh, drove down to the South France and um, slept in the car, went to the game and drove all the way back on to, to England. Uh, it was, uh, but it was, I just couldn't, you know, it was brilliant. I was, I think what was it, I would have been 26 at the time, you know, in the professional football in, in League One back in, uh, down in England. But um, going to that game was amazing. Just, you know, actually, I'd, I'd, I hadn't been to a Scotland game since I was a kid. Um, and uh, it had always been down south. It wasn't, it was never up at Hamden. It was, it was never abroad. And it was like it was almost like a driving in the car was good. Actually, not having a hotel on the base, it was almost you know slumming it. And it took me back to being a 14, 15 year old going to watch country, going on the train, and just you'd got there. You didn't know how you, you were going to get there, but you got there. You got in the ground. You watched the game. You got home, and and it was really good. It was a brilliant experience. I think um, Drew one one was right in the middle of the Saturn Army. I was singing the songs and had a flag draped round me, round my shoulders. It was. Um, Brilliant, absolutely love it. And yeah, we drew one. I think Craig Burley scored. I think memory is right. And um, yeah, it was. I, I loved it. It was brilliant. You know, walking through the streets, through the streets to the to the stadium, and walking out after because it was quite a good feeling. Because obviously we hadn't been beat, <laughs> and so 
that that was good. And um, yeah, that that's probably my, my, my best experience as a as a, as a supporter because it was it was like I was a, a proper part of the town. I mean. And um, just shy four years later, you got the dream um, of playing for your country. I've, I've listed a couple of memories um, from your 40 caps, but um, the f- number one's got to be your debut, obviously, um, against Nigeria yeah. at Pitology. Um At the age of 30, you must have thought at that point um, that your time passed by, because Betty Votes was starting to blood a lot of young players, but you were yeah. an exception being a 30-year-old getting your first cap. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Um, yeah, when I was in that stadium watching that game in... France 98, there's no way I thought four years later I'd be making my debut um, for Scotland. Uh, that was it. You know, as a kid, I dreamt of playing for Scotland. But, you know, when you sort of get to your late 20s as a, as a footballer and you've not played at the top level, you know, that sort of dream is diminished. Um, but, yeah, I got you know, I, I know when I joined Preston in 99, speaking to David Moyes, he spoke to me about family. I mentioned that my dad was from Glasgow and Scott, Scottish and he said, oh, I'll have to get you in that Scotland squad and that. So, yeah, okay, yeah, cheers, Gaffer. You know, sort of having a little chuckle, but I know he was pushing my case for probably a year before I got in there with Craig Brown, the previous manager. But he had a really good settled squad, but when Bertie obviously started experimenting with the squad and giving opportunities to players that, uh, that uh, people hadn't thought of. And like you say, they were mainly young Scot- Scottish-based players or, or Scots-born players who everyone knew. And then to pick this English-born 30-year-old from and play at the top level. It was, you know, I think there was a few raised eyebrows, and you know, it took me a bit of time to establish myself. But I couldn't have been a prouder man when I made my debut. In, you know, I came on at half time, um, played forty five minutes, and and if it, it had been, if that had been it, it, it you know, it, I'd have still been privileged to have played one game for for Scotland. And then, but I was fortunate enough to get picked again, and I managed to, you know, amass forty caps over seven years. And uh, you know, I, I, I still quite I have a little smile that when people ask me how many cats I, I got and I say 40 and they always repeat 40 with raised eyebrows and a question mark 40 oh you know because it, it, I think it does take people surprise it still takes me by surprise I'm extremely proud of that um, that you know it, I, I was picked by four different managers and, and uh, I played with some brilliant players and, uh, and it took me a bit of time but I was finally accepted as you know uh, a proper Scotland player and someone who, who cared about playing for Scotland and uh, yeah it's, uh, it was an exceptional time in my career It definitely was and then um, when you started to settle um, one performance I remember from you it was against Iceland at, um, at Hamden where I be- you set up a goal yeah. for Kenny Miller and I believe you were voted yeah. man of the match excellent performance from yourself but a good performance from yeah. the team that must rank up there as well for you Yeah it was um, you know because you know, I had a lot to prove to a lot of people you know and then um, but I wanted to prove to 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 the management staff, Bertie, that you know I wanted to repay his faith and uh, that you know he had in me. Um, I remember that game. You know, I remember the the goal. I broke down the right and pulled it back, and Kenny slotted it away. And uh, he had a part to play in the second goal. Man of the match. We we won at Hamden, which I don't know if it might have been my first time. I won at Hamden with Scotland as well. I, I, I might be wrong, but it it felt like that. But it was it. Yeah, it was a real good feeling. It was good. You know, because I'd had a bit of hard time from the press and supporters maybe and and my dad and my granddad was coming to all the games and I wanted them to feel, they were proud of me, but I wanted them to be proud and have a smile at the end of the game as well. And uh, and I remember I remember that was the case after that game. So it was, it was good and there was, there was other games that, that built on from that. But that was probably the first time that I actually um, 
probably played well as well, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Uh, to be honest, I can't really remember some of the games beforehand because um, there was a lot of mixed performances. It was, um, you know, yes, some demoralising friendlies. But, but then a few yeah. years later, um, I mean, we can't not have a discussion with you without discussing the two France games. Now, you you played left back both those games. Yeah. They're back to the wall job at times. Um, Hamden we rode a look especially. Um, yeah. I think away from home, um, it wasn't as intense. But to come away no. from France with two victories, two one nil victories, that's yeah, just sensational. Yeah, it, it, you know, I'll, th- I'll think about it now because you know it's um, I, I, just to be on the on the pitch. I remember the, the first game it was uh, it was at Hamden, and I was on twenty four caps, and on your twenty fifth cap you get a silver medal, and um, so I was desperate to play, and and and, and Walter uh, named the team a couple of days before, and I, I was in it. I was brilliant, and and there was a thing where. Uh, I think I played. There was a game where we played. Uh, we were playing wing backs, and and I think I can't remember who dropped out. Was injured left back, and I remember Walter speaking to me and Jackie McNamara and saying, like, um, "Look, one of you is going to have to play left back." And I went, "Yeah, I'll play left back." I was just, I was just happy to be playing, and and it sort of helped me get more caps. I felt because uh, you know because um, I could play both sides and everything. But yeah, the, the, I was named in that, and I was thinking, right, brilliant, playing France at Hamden. Um, and I get my 25th, you know, cap, and I get my silver medal. But then I was like, oh, if we get pumped four 0 or something, how can I celebrate getting a 25th, you know, uh, silver medal? But you know, France have absolutely annihilated us, and it was like, oh my god, and brought me back down to earth. But you know, what was brilliant and how he spoke to us before the game and how he planned the game put us really at ease. He said, look, if the crowd will want you to get about them and chase them and, and press them and that, and he said, and they'll pick us off and they'll be us. He said, don't. Don't do it. Resist the urge to to play sort of how the crowd want us to play at Hamden. We have to soak up pressure. We have to kill spaces. We have to be disciplined. So don't worry when they're passing the ball in front. He, he just he almost read you know wrote a script for how the game would go, and it pretty much went word to word, word for word. And he said, look, and we'll we'll try and win a couple of set pieces. We'll we'll um you know we'll try and take advantage of that. But we, this is how the game's going to be. So we all went with a clear focus on how that game was going to pan out. And, you know, you're right, we did ride a look a little bit at times. You know, they they, they had a disallowed goal, I think they hit the post or the bar, which you're going to have to do in games like that. But, you know, when um, we scored from the corner, you know, Gaz Colwell sliding in and it was just like, oh my God, we're in the lead here. And then to a man, we all kept on just looking at the scoreboard at the clock. How long? How long? How long? You guys in $50,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. And you could just feel that. And it was just like, but it just, and we just, you know, we soaked up a lot of pressure. We stuck to our jobs. There was a lot of experience on that pitch, as in each, you know, there was a, certainly in the defending areas. And then um, we managed to, to get that 1 0 victory. And, and honestly, it was um, the, the, the scenes on, on, on the pitch, the crowd. When we went into the change room, there was a lot of big Scottish managers came into the change room. So Alex Ferguson, David Moyes, people like that coming in to sell, you know, uh, congratulate everybody. And it was just, you know, everything that I'd gone through my whole career, uh, it just sort of crystallised in that point, thinking across my mind. All that work was to experience this sort of feeling, you know, and, and um, you know, I saw my dad and granddad after the game and, and my mum and my family and they're sort of in tears as well. It's just um, it one, of the, one of the best days of my career, really. And uh, that, that was special. And then, obviously, a year later, we go to play them again in Paris and uh, there was a lot of talk about you know we'll 
revenge and you know we were lucky in the first game and we used slow returning ball boys and all that sort of stuff and now we'll, we'll put you back in your place and then and and we went and did it again and uh, it was almost like you know I played I played left back in that game and it was a I, like you said I don't think we were as under pressure as much as we were in the first game, I think we had a bit more belief in ourselves that, in that game as well, even though it was uh, Alec McLeish that took over by that time. But, you know, Faddy scored that ridiculous goal, which only Faddy could. And then, um, you know, we hung on again to win 1-0. And it was just like, we, we I, I, it was a different feeling in changing room after that. We were just, uh, I just remember laughing with the other players, just going across, I'm like, I can't believe we've done it again. And uh, But I, I just, what I remember about that game was, you know, it was a home game for France and we came out before the game and all we could see was Scot- Scotland flags everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And Because you, sometimes you come out of the stadium, you go, right, which, which end of this? We are our supporters, you know, because you want to go and clap them, but they were everywhere. They were, there wasn't a Scotland then. It was just, you saw Saltires all over the place. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. I don't know how many fans have, you know, when they bump into me or speak to me and they, they, they talk about Paris. For me, the bigger one for me was the Hamden one because it, it just everything around it was made. But I think for the supporters, I think winning in Paris was is almost like a romantic thing, <laughs> you know, that, that night in Paris. And I think everyone talks about romance in Paris, but I think as a football supporter, certainly Scotland support, it was it was about that. And it was um, yeah, I was, I'm extremely proud to play in, in both those games and and uh, yeah, it's um I think I think it's all change maybe people's perceptions of me being part of the Scotland squad in those results as well. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the fact that you got to 40 caps, um, having only started at 30, um, you know, yeah. that, I think that's incredible. I think you should um, be proud. It's just yeah. a shame that you didn't get the major tournament. And obviously after beating France, yeah. we didn't finish the job, which was um, yeah. still annoying to this day. But, um, but other than that, I, I think you can be proud of your 40 caps. Oh, listen, like I say, I would have been proud with one. I would have been because it was something where I came from, where my career was up to that point. You know, I didn't envisage, but to to, to get to forty caps and, and and you know play under four different managers, you know, meant you know that it meant a lot to me that they showed faith in me and I repaid that. And it it, it meant I played against some massive international players, you know, Italy, you know, Holland, France, all those sort of teams, and you know, at a stage where I, I hadn't. I dreamt of it as a kid, but you know, reality bites at a certain point. I didn't think I'd get to it. So, yeah, it's um, for me, it was bigger than you know. I managed to play in the Premier League even later than that at 37. But for me, playing the international for Scotland was bigger bigger than that for me as a personally. But um, yeah, it's a, a great part of my life, not just my career. Absolutely. Um, so, um, had you um, talked as a fan? Had you talked as a player? Now I'm going to get you to put your manager's head on. I've asked you to put in two six-a-side teams. So one of them based on the players, um, your favourite players um, as you were growing up as a fan. And the second one based on the teammates that you've played with um, from 2002 to 2009 in Scotland. So the floor's yours. Right, OK. I only thought I was going to be picking one Scotland team with their uh, just uh, all the time. I didn't realise that it was actually ones I played with. So I'm... Um, I can I can do that though. Um, I can do You're that. a manager. You're good enough to do both. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think so. So um, um, right, okay. Let me let me go here with with this one. The the first one I'll go with is as a as a Scotland fan grow, uh, growing up, and I've, I've got a player actually that's 
um, after my time as a, as a player. So, um, but I'll go with uh, I'll go with Jim Layton in goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, you know, uh, growing up, he was the the main. You know, Alan Ruff would probably be for that in tournaments, but when I was really young, but when I was a, a teenager and later on, Jim Layton was uh, the mainstay in, in the, the Scotland team. Um, so I think in goal, two defenders. So it's a six-tied team, that's right, isn't it? So yeah. I'll go goalkeeper, two defenders, midfielder, two forwards. So two defenders, Richard Goff. Mm. Um, I, I, remember, I remember him scoring against England, the winner. I think it was 85, I think. Yeah, the Rouse Cup. Scored yeah. that. Scored the header in the round school, um, and that, and I didn't really know much about him that, then until that moment. I just remember, and obviously, had a fantastic career. But and I remember he's the first player that I managed to swap tops with, um, or right. wanted to. When I, I played against Everton um, in the FA Cup, I think it was to Preston, mm-hmm. and. I wanted Richard Goff's top because of his, his status and that. And uh, I still got, I, I can't believe how big it is actually. It's absolutely enormous. But um, it's, uh, yeah, so Richard Goff, I thought he was a, a brilliant player. And uh, Andy Robertson from this time, I think uh, he's, he, he's been a, a brilliant player um, for for Scotland. Uh, I like watching Liverpool. Um, you know, probably my, my second favourite team. And, uh, you know, he's, he's had an amazing sort of, I think his journey from where he was and where he's got to in such a short space of time is quite inspiring for, for players and, and yeah. me as a, an ex-player and manager. So Andy Robertson, we go one midfield player, Graham Souness, um, who was the player that I always wanted to be. I, I never got to that level of, of performance, but I, he was the one that I loved watching as a, as a kid because I, I love watching Liverpool. I love watching Scotland and he was just the top dog all the time. He was just a, a sensational player. Yeah, you know, that's why I've got him in midfield on his own because he could do everything. Yeah, you know, he, he could um, he could fight, he could scrap, he could run, he could score, he could pass. He was just the, the full package and uh, he, he was a, a brilliant player. Um, and then two forwards, uh, another Liverpool connection, Kenny Dalglish. Yeah. Um, you know, just I mean, what can you say about you know Kenny Dalglish? Uh, uh, you know, I got the the pleasure to meet him as a, as a young manager when I was at Fleetwood, and we took a team through to Liverpool. And I remember him talk, you know, taking five minutes just to come and speak to me, and uh, you know, I didn't even know I, I existed, but he came home and spoke to me about my team and everything. It was brilliant because what, what a genius he was, um, and Ali McCoist, um, you know, had the pleasure to. Yeah, brilliant. You know, because I, th- I think with 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 dropping into those pockets of space, which he had at Liverpool, and he had an out goal scorer in in rushing from him. But um, you say you need somebody on the end of all his intelligence and, and passes, and I'd, I'd go with Ali McCoyce because obviously what he did as a player was was unbelievable. But um, I had the pleasure of playing under him as it you know when he was coach with uh, Walter with Scotland, the great guy. Um, remember introducing my dad and my granddad to him. After a Scotland game, and you know, telling my, my dad and granddad, look, just just say hello, get a picture taken, and that's it. And and Coisty kept them there for half an hour, just talking <laughs> to them, you know, because they're they're big fans. And he was absolutely amazing, amazing with them. So um, that would be my team: um, Jim Layton, Goff, Robertson, Sunes, Dalglish, McCoist. Um, then 
from the time that I played. Um, I was going to pick Craig Gordon in the, the original team because I think he's an unbelievable goalkeeper, so I'll, I'll, I'll put him in this one. Because, yeah. um, uh, I mean, he's still playing now, <laughs> which shows you... Um, sorry, mate. <laughs> John Panetta. So I think it shows you what a, what a, a brilliant goalkeeper he's been. I thought when I played with him uh, as he... As a young goalkeeper, I didn't realise how young he was because of his his persona and his how he how he was. I thought he's just so calm and collected, and he's, he's still like that now. Um, my, my first actual Premier League goal was against Craig um, when I played at Burnley. It was a penalty, of course, but uh, so I knew I was under massive pressure because I knew how good he was in goal, and he got a hand to it, to, but it, it went in. So, so I picked Craig Gordon. Uh, I'll go with the sort of similar formation. So I'll have two defenders, um, David Weir, who um, was uh, a brilliant servant for Scotland. Um, he was actually older than me, <laughs> which made me, me feel a little bit young, but he, you know, he played until he was 40, 41. But he, he was a really calming influence to play next to, you know, as, you know, right back at left back, you know, knowing that he was inside. He was uh, uh, you know, so composed and he, he had a real good aura about him, how he handled himself and, Great professional, great, great bloke off the pitch. And um, I'll go with Christian Daly, uh, who um, really introduced me into the squad. You know, sort of like, you know, uh, he didn't know me before, but we, we had uh, some friends that we both knew. And um, he was a great guy, brilliant trainer, uh, played all over, you know, right back, centre half, left back in midfield for Scotland. You know, uh, got to know him really well, but he was a, uh, a real proud Scotsman that loved playing for his country, would do anything to, to play for his country. And I thought he was um, a, a top professional and a, a, re a real good player as well, who had a great career. So I'd pick, I'd pick him in. Um, as a, a midfielder, uh, I played the, a lot of my games with Barry Ferguson, um, who uh, had a bit of everything. Could defend well, had a great engine, could pick a pass, could, could nick a goal, um, could moan for fun uh, about getting the ball. But I love that about him, that he was, he was demanding and, and wanted a wanted a win. But um, he was a really good player. And um, as, a, as a front two, I think I'm, I'm just trying to choose between. I'd, I'd go with, um, in a similar sort of pattern to what, what I had with the original team, I go with Kenny Miller up front, um, who sometimes it was a thankless task playing for some of the in our games where we would play one up front and we'd be very uh, defensively strong, and the, the forward player would have to feed a little bit off scraps sometimes, but have to work exceptionally hard. And, and Kenny had that that um, ability to do that. His, his energy was brilliant, but he. You know, he was always on the end of crosses. You know, he was always there to take chances. And, um, and I think to link the rest of the team with him, I'd, I'd have to go with James McFadden. Um, absolute um, genius on the ball. You know, it, it, they, they, sometimes it'd be Faddy that played up the front of his own like he did in, in Paris or it, you know, France away. Um, and sometimes Kenny do it and he'd do it with his work rate and effort and Faddy would do it with just dribbling the ball for 10 minutes or something, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I, he just, he just had an unpredictability about him that he, he gave, I, me personally, 
no matter how tough the game was looked in front of it, I thought, right, we're going to have to defend, we're going to have to work hard, we're going to have to keep it tight, but we need to score a goal somehow. And you look at Fadi and think, he might get a goal. Yeah. Out of nothing, which was the case in Paris. And uh, I think, yeah, just uh, I know how the Scottish fans uh, feel, think about certain players. And I thought he was a, a throwback to the, 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 the players in the 60s and 70s, the ones that, you know, I know, remember people talking about him having that gallus, you know, that cockiness, yes. that, you know, that, you know, just give me the ball, I don't care, we're playing, I'm going to do this, that, the other. And, and, he, and he generally had that talent to do that. And he's a great guy as well, you know, you know, doing really well in the squad. And I, I think mine and his career pretty much started and ended roughly the same same time I think he went on for another year after me but we, we came into the squad roughly the same time at different ends of our you know he was a young mm-hmm. boy I was 30 but great guy and, and, a, and a top player Yeah it was a shame injuries um, affect him later on because he's stuck in 48 yeah. caps which is annoying that's too short of the Hall of Fame yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think yeah. he gets in yeah. the Hall of Fame anyway um, given what he was doing because he always came alive in a Scotland shirt He, he did you know I yeah, I know he had a good career, really good career playing in the Premier League with Everton, Birmingham. I've, I've actually, I remember swapping shirts with him when he, when he played for Birmingham when I was at Burnley because, you know, obviously I had a really good relationship with him, but he was a, he, he was a, a, a top player. I used to think those type of players were a little bit of a luxury, but when I played with them, I actually felt, no, we need a player like that to give us the belief and the ability to, to win a game of football. And he certainly had that. Yeah, fabulous. Well, listen, Graham, thanks very much for your time and for helping me preview the, the upcoming friendlies and divulging into some of your Scotland career and um, all the best with uh, Motherwell for the rest of the season. Thanks very much, John. It's been a pleasure.